Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of our triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here and to all those who have joined us via the live stream this afternoon. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and cause us to live our lives in thankfulness to him. The consistory has the following announcements. The consistory with deacons will meet tomorrow evening at 7.30pm, followed by an elders-only meeting at 8.30pm. Brother Plater will lead the worship service this afternoon. Before we begin the worship service, let us sing together from hymn 44 verse 1. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Let us rise for worship. As congregation of Jesus Christ, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. And God greets you this afternoon. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us continue our worship and let us sing from Psalm 138 verses 1 and 2.
We just sang together, with all my heart, O Lord, I praise your glorious ways, your exaltation. Let us now make confession of God's glorious ways as he's revealed that in the gospel, as it's summarized in the words of him, him too. now come before God in prayer. Merciful God and compassionate Father, we confess that so often we are like the crowds that flocked around Jesus. Some came seeking your healing touch. 
Some came seeking freedom. Some came out of curiosity. And some had no idea why they came except that everyone else was coming. So Father, no matter the mindset that we had coming here to worship the second time, we pray that now that we are here that you'd please tear down our defenses, remove anything that would hinder us from hearing the voice of our Good Shepherd. Lord, silence those inner voices that that often deafen our ears to your word with all the cares of this world and the cares of the week in front of us. Rather, we pray that you would speak your word, that you would take it, that you would plant it into our hearts and that it would bear fruit, some 60, some 30, some 100-fold. Lord, that we'd be shaped, that we'd be fashioned into your likeness. Lord, may you test our, our thoughts, test our attitudes, that we may be in the likeness of your image. Cause us to grow. Make our eyes to see your amazing love and authority. And Father, above all, may your word prevail over the unbelief that so often lingers in our hearts. O oh Lord, hear us, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This afternoon, we are going to look at what we confess in Lord's Day 36, which is about the third commandment. And in connection with that, we will read together from Leviticus 24, and then also from the New Testament, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. So firstly then, from Leviticus 24, and you'll find that if you have the church Bible, it's on page 121. So Leviticus 24, we'll read the verses 10 through 23. Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed and they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shimeleth, Shilomith, the daughter of Dibri, of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody, till the will of the Lord should be clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring out of the camp the one who is cursed, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. And speaks to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregations shall stone him. The sojourner as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good, life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good, and whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall have the same rule for the sojourn and for the native, for I am the Lord your God. So Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and they brought out of the camp the one who had cursed and stoned him with stones. Thus the people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. So from Leviticus 24, now we'll move to the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1. 
we'll read the verses 13 through 25. So 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 25. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So far from the reading of God's word, let us now sing and continue praising God with the words of Psalm 138, verses 3 and 4.
So our confessional reading is Lord's Day 36, which is about the third commandment, which is, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And there in Lord's Day 36, it is asked, What is required in the third commandment? We are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence, so that we may rightly confess Him, call upon Him, and praise Him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly, for no sin is greater or or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. That is why he commanded it to be put to death, or be punished with death. After the proclamation of the gospel, we'll sing from him 11 verses 1, 2, and 4. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, in today's culture, a child's name is is often based upon the parents' personal preferences. The parents will take out a a survey of of names, maybe it's the top names that are listed, and they'll look through those names, some are maybe vetoed because of bad associations, while others they they keep because maybe they, they roll off the tongue. And sometimes the name is significant maybe because it's a generational thing. This is a name that's been passed on from, from generation to generation. And so that, that's why the name has value. And so you, they try to keep that name in the family. Or other times maybe it's a name that is just well loved because of a certain family member. However, in the ancient Near East, names were, were very significant. And they often spoke about a person's character. So if you think of a negative example, you could think of Nabal in, in 1 Samuel. Maybe you recall that, that story. You have Nabal and, and Abigail, and Nabal was a scoundrel. And anyway, David was taking care of his flock. And then in, in return, he asked for some things from Nabal, some, some provisions. And Nabal to, told him that he wasn't going to give that. And then David mounts his horse. He, he gets his sword, and he was ready to destroy him. And then... Abigail intercepts him and says this, Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, so he is. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. So there you have a negative example of where the name matches his character. Or think positively, we can think of the supreme example of our Lord Jesus Christ. The angel told Mary to name him Jesus because he would save his people from his sins. The name spoke of who he was. It spoke of him as Savior. It wasn't just a matter of personal preference for Mary and Joseph as they looked through all the names. No, this was something full of significance. And it matched his very character. And something similar that we see in the third commandment. God commands us, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
The thrust of it is that we're not to treat God's name as common or empty. When we defame God's name, it grieves him and it provokes him to anger. As we read this afternoon, we see that it's so serious that in Leviticus, God commands that the profaning of his name should be punished with death. But instead, God calls his people to uphold his name, to to uphold it with utmost respect and reverence so that they may confess him rightly as as it says in the catechism, that we may praise him in all our words and works. To put it simply, God calls us to revere his name. So that's the theme of this message for this afternoon, revere God's holy name. We'll see two things. Firstly, the profaning of the name. So see the commandment in the negative and then also the positive, which is bearing the name. So firstly, then profaning the name. Now, last time we also dealt with the book of Leviticus and we saw that Leviticus is a book all about worship. God brought his people out of Israel, out of Egypt and for the purpose that they would worship him and serve him in the wilderness. And we see that Leviticus is a book that facilitates that. You have chapters 1 through 10, which is all about worshiping God. And then you have chapters 11 through 27, which is about how the people were to live with God so that they could worship. Well, in our passage this afternoon is from the second part. It's about right living. Now, it's important to note as we get into these commands that God's laws are not just some bunch of of legal codes. Perhaps when you think of law, you you think of courts, you think of judges, you think of lawyers... Maybe you think of uh, social references like you can't handle the truth or maybe you think of Atticus Finch, that well-known lawyer in that, that book, To Kill a Mockingbird. Maybe that's what you think of when you think of law. However, the Hebrew word Torah, it actually means instruction. It's not law, but primarily instruction. It means to teach, to instruct. And we see that in Exodus 24, verse 12, the Lord says, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law, literally teaching, and commands I have written to instruct them, them being the the people of Israel. So you see that these precepts, these commandments, were not simply a matter of rules and penalties, but they were a matter of instruction so that Israel could fellowship with God. As someone put it this way, the Lord is not so much a high and mighty lawgiver as the patient teacher of his people. And he continues and says, in that respect, the relationship between the Lord and his people in the wilderness is similar to the relationship between Christ and his disciples in earthly ministry. So God's laws are not just cold. They're not heartless legal codes. But rather, God's laws are actually an expression of his character. They're They're an expression of his values. If we think of God's laws about impartiality, that is not paying attention to certain people when you judge a case, well, it shows that his character is one of justice. Or think about those laws about God's care for the outcast. Well, again, it reveals his character, his love for those who are outcast. Or you think of those laws which show his mercy, his compassion, Or you can think of, say, false witness. The laws against false witness are because God is a God who loves truth. They reflect his character. They reflect his values. They express 
what is important to our God. And that's really important to know when we deal with laws. When we deal with these laws in Leviticus, this is about how God, when we obey them, we are reflecting God's character. And so what we see is these laws are for human flourishing. It's a matter of God's good intention for his creation. But if we reject those good laws, it goes terribly for us. And we saw that already last week with Nadab and Abihu. They, they come before the Lord. They offer unauthorized fire and they're burned up. They're consumed by God's holiness. And we see it again this week with the stoning of this Egyptian man. So at some point during their, their journey in the wilderness, particularly it was probably at Mount Sinai. We're not 100% sure where this episode occurred. But there was an argument between a native Israelite and an Egyptian or a son of an Egyptian. And if we think of when the Israelites left, Exodus, uh, left Egypt in the Exodus, we see that there was a lot of other people who joined them. There was a mixed multitude, it says in Exodus 12. So this man's dad was probably one of those Egyptians that joined the Israelites as they left Egypt on their way to the promised land. So then during this fight, we read in verse 11 that the Israelites' woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. Blasphemed the name and cursed. Literally, the word means to puncture a hole in something or to slander. And the word to curse means to treat something with contempt, to empty it of its contents. And so instead of revering God's name and upholding God's name by his actions, you could say he punctured a hole in the holiness of God. He treated God's holiness with contempt. The violation was clear. Exodus 20 verse 7. It's the law of God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Or Exodus 22 verse 28. You shall not revile God. So the, the crime was clear. And the punishment was also severe. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Bring out of the camp the one who cursed and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all the congregation stone him and speak to the people of Israel saying whoever curses his God shall bear his sin whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death all the congregation shall stone him the sojourner as well as the native when he blasphemes the name shall be put to death he was brought out of the camp and put to death and it was outside the camp that you had executions would take place. It was the place of rejection. If you read Leviticus, it was the place where anything that was impure, it was brought outside of the camp. And then just think of the execution itself, the stoning. This is the most severe form of excommunication there is. So think of God's promise to his people. He promised them that he would give them the land. And he'd promised that he would make them a great nation and that they would dwell in the land as a great nation. So stoning someone, you're picking up the stones from the promised land, you could say, and throwing them at them. And so not only are they outcasts from the community, but they're cut off from the land itself. It's as though they're being rejected by the community and the land. And so it was a horrific form of excommunication. That person had no part in the community of God anymore. It was a terrible, terrible thing. Now you may wonder, in some way, why it was punished so severely. Is it, as the Catechism says, 
Is the blaspheming of God's name such a, a grievous sin? And the reason why it's such a grievous sin is because the misuse, misuse of God's name is a rejection of God himself. God's name is a representation of the sum total of who he is. As we saw last time, God is holy. Holiness is who he is. It's his character. And so when we profane the name, when we empty the name of its contents, when we puncture a hole in the name, we're defiling his character. We're not just profaning something that he does, but we're profaning who he is. It's treating the holy God as unholy. The, the creator is common. The glory of God is, as something that is just ordinary. And so it's no small thing. And that is why God commands that it be punished with death. It was a warning to all God's people, not just the native Israelites, uh, just to them only, but also to any foreigner, anyone who would be part of the communion of God. God was saying to them, if you want to enjoy covenant blessings and live in fellowship with me, you cannot defame the author of the covenant and live. To reject the maker is to forfeit the life that he grants you. So it's a serious thing to profane God's name. And so what does it look like, congregation, in your life? How do you treat God's name with contempt? How do you, as it were, poke a hole in the name of God? When something happens, do you say, oh my God, as a filler? Or maybe you don't say it, maybe, maybe you text it, OMG. Or maybe you think, well, no, I don't do any of that. And sometimes it's easy, okay, I don't blaspheme God's name, so therefore I've kept the commandment. But maybe it's not so explicit. Maybe it's not you outright cursing God's name, but maybe it's, maybe it's something more subtle. Maybe it's by tolerating it. Maybe it's by tolerating it in the films that you watch. Or maybe even in the books that you read. Maybe you're not cursing God's name, but are you okay with the entertainment that you watch cursing God's name? Or maybe another way that we can profane God's name is also by speaking about Him very informally. One author highlighted that many Christians nowadays refer to the Son of God as, as Jesus. So they'll say, Jesus changed my life, or we worship Jesus. And what's interesting, if you think about it, when the New Testament writers speak about Jesus, they often speak about Him as Lord, or Jesus Christ. They use His title, Christ, or they speak of Him as Lord, as Master. And even in the Gospels, when the disciples are speaking to Jesus Christ, they say, Teacher, or refer to him as Jesus of Nazareth. And so it's true that Christ calls us friends. It's true that Christ calls us brothers and sisters. But he is still our master and king. And, and is it true that maybe sometimes in our conversation we emphasize the humanity of Christ without, without paying attention to his divinity, how he's God? Are we maybe profaning God's name by the way we speak, maybe even informally? That's something to think about. So brothers and sisters, the profaning of God's name is a serious sin because it's completely contrary to what we are called to do as Christians. And this is moving on to our second point. We're called to, to bear the name of God. 
So when this Israelite or the foreigner profaned God's name, he was inadvertently profaning God's holy character. He was dragging the holy character of God through the mud and treating it with contempt. So it was and still is a heinous sin. But then again, let's ask the question, why? Why was it so serious? Well, you see, God's people were called to reflect his character. Israel was called to be a special people, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, we read in Exodus 19. They were called to live according to the will and the values of God. And we, and we see that throughout the book of Leviticus. If you read through Leviticus and just highlight how many times God says, do this and do it. Why? Because I am holy and you should be holy. So think of uh, Leviticus 11. There in that passage, he's talking about clean and unclean, about what's pure and impure. And then he says, God says there, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves or make yourself holy and be holy for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. And then here it comes again. For I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy as I am holy. Or 19 verse 2. Be holy as I am holy. And then again it happens again in chapter 20. God is prohibiting the idol worship. And it says there, consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am the Lord your God. So God is holy and his people had to reflect his holiness. They were to embody his character. And we even see further that they were the image bearers of God. They bore the name of God. And we see that in Numbers 6 where God commands Aaron to bless the people. And it says after the blessing, God says, So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So they were to reflect God's character and his name because they bore the name. The, the, the priests would put, place the name on them through the blessing. And they were called to bear God's name in such a way that the other nations would look and they would see that his people were a reflection of himself. Moses tells this to the Israelites. He says that in Deuteronomy when he's giving the laws. He says there that if Israel obeyed God's laws... The nations would see, they would see Israel and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and rules as righteous as all the law of Israel? So when Israel obeyed God and lived according to his character, the holiness of God was displayed to everyone around him around them. Their conduct spoke about their maker. And then what happened when Israel disobeyed God? When they disobeyed God and rejected his laws, we see that God's name was blasphemed among the Gentiles, blasphemed among the other nations. Paul writes that he says, as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So the call to God's people was to reflect his character. You bear my name and so be holy as I am holy. And that call is the same to us as God's people today. We are called to bear the name of God so that others may see God's values embodied in the way that we live. We read it together from, from 1 Peter 
where Peter says the exact same thing, and he's quoting Exodus there. He says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And we see later on where Peter uses the exact same phrases that God used to describe the Israelites. He says, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so like Israel, we're called to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. God has placed his name on us. Just think of baptism. When you're baptized in the triune name of God, it means that you're identified with his salvation, that you're identified with his strength. Which he is your identity as a believer. And when you bear God's name, like the Israelites, you are called to uphold his holiness in the way that you live. So do you see what this means, brothers and sisters, for obeying the third commandment? It means that the, the third commandment isn't just simply what you say, but it's also how you live. If we identify with God's name, but, when we, but then fail to live according to his character, we're profaning the name of God because we're associating his name with something that doesn't match his character. We're failing to uphold his holiness. And so if our life doesn't embody the values of our Savior, that's defiling God's name as well. And this somewhat helps us when we think of probably the biggest struggle with this law. You know, one time at, at Bible study, we were discussing the third commandment, or maybe it was in a different topic. And finally, a brother said, but if, I'm, but if I spoke to every person who blasphemed God's name, then I'd probably preach to half of Perth. So he was a tradesman. So he couldn't control the environment that he was in. He would go to one house and he'd be there with a bunch of tradesmen and then he'd go to the next and it was a different group. And so he was struggling because he was saying, if I spoke to everybody, then I'd be preaching to everybody in Perth. And so what does it mean? Is, is that all that it means? Simply to tell them, don't blaspheme? So what does it mean? If someone curses God's name. Well, there, there are some practical things you can say. I know a brother who had said in response to blaspheme, the person would say something, you know, the person would say Jesus, and he would say, yes, that is my Lord and Savior. And maybe the, that opened up a conversation, or maybe it shut, shut one down. But he made the point. Or there was a sister who worked at a drugstore, or I should say pharmacy, and then one of the customers was, was blaspheming a lot, and finally she said, do you know him? Do you know that person? Do you know who Jesus is? And the person kind of looked and then he says, and then she said, he is a really amazing person. You should get to know him. And so there's, those are some ways that, that people have dealt with it. Or I think of, there is a, a guy named Ray Comfort and he would say to people when they blaspheme God, they'd say, would you use your mother as a curse word? And that was his way of speaking about it. So those are some ways that we can respond to people who blaspheme God's name. But what it highlights, if we're also bearing God's name in the way we speak, and also in the way we live, we should ask ourselves, if we stay quiet, will they see God's character in us? We need to ask ourselves, is my living contrary to the character of God? Because we could also say that we're Christian, 
and identify with his name, but then live contrary to, to God's values. And then there too, we are blaspheming the name. Because God's name stands for his character. And so the greatest way that you can profess his name, yes, it's in words, but it's also in deeds. It's by reflecting God's character in the way that you live. Be holy, as Peter says, as I am holy. And then the third commandment continues. It says, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. In some ways, it would be nice if that, was, that line in the commandment was taken away, isn't it? The Lord will not hold him guiltless. Because that means that all of us here stand guilty before God for dishonoring his name, for profaning his name. Like the Egyptian, it means if we're guilt, guilty before God, that we should die for our guilt. We should be taken out of the camp and cut off from the community of God for poking holes in His holiness. But what is amazing is that through the gospel, that in God's grace, our Savior, Jesus Christ, He was taken out of the camp instead. You read that in Hebrews 13, verse 13. And there Jesus Christ was condemned and crucified. Why? The charge was because He blasphemed the name of God. He was charged with defiling the holiness of God. And it's amazing because his conviction and his death, in many ways, that was the biggest blasphemy of all. The rejection of Jesus Christ. Think of Jesus Christ. He reflected God's character perfectly. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. You looked at Jesus, you saw God. You saw who God is. You see that in the Lord's life. Jesus' love for the outcast reflects God's special care for the outcast. You see Christ's vengeance against the Pharisees' pride and hypocrisy. And it shows God's vengeance and his resisting of the proud. We see Christ's compassion for the sick. It's God's compassion for the sick. Christ's care for the lost. God's care for the lost. He reflected God's character perfectly. So much so that we read in John, Philip says, show us the Father. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus bore God's name, not only in name only, but also in his character. But our Savior was rejected. He was treated as unholy. He was treated as common. His name was, God's name was profaned and it was profaned by the defiling of the Son of God. And yet what is amazing is that by His death, Christ's blood, it covers our guilt. Our guilt also for this commandment. It covers our blasphemy. It covers those times where we had an opportunity to say something and we didn't say something. It covers those times when we, when we said that we were Christian, but we lived in a way which really defiled the holiness of God because our character did not match the character of God. And by His salvation, we have the Holy Spirit. Christ is in you. And that means that since Christ is in you, you too can live as holy before God as He works that holiness out in your life through the power of the Spirit in you. 
He empowers you to obey the third commandment. So that you might bear God's name in your words and also in your actions. And reflect his character to the world. Just as his Savior did. That's what we've been delivered from. So that we might live for him. And as God's people, that we might be like the Israelites should have been. A holy nation. A royal priesthood. A people who are holy as God is holy. And this is who we all are in Christ. And so brothers and sisters, go therefore into this week and bear the name of God as those baptized in the name of Jesus Christ who's done that perfectly for you. Amen. congregational prayer we will remember a few of our brothers and sisters firstly we'll also celebrate with Fred and uh, Jerry Deke that they can celebrate their 45th wedding anniversary and my apologies for not also putting that in the source and so we'll bring that before God in prayer and then we'll also thank God for keeping our brother Colin Klein safe after he he was stung by a bee and it led to some heart problems for him and, and endangered his life And so we'll thank God for preserving his life and for watching over our brother. And then we'll also pray for our sister Rita Cosinson, who had another fall this this week. And so we'll pray for for her and uh, and for Gerard as well. And then we'll also remember the, the work of Pindari. 
Restoration House. Let us pray before God. Father in heaven, you are holy. Lord, who commands all the hosts of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down? What other majesty rules with justice? What other glory consumes like fire? What other name remains undefeated? Father, only you. Only you are holy God. Lord, you gave us your word so that we might live according to your holy character. You say, be holy for I am holy. You call us to uphold your name and how we live and how we speak. But so often we don't. We confess that sometimes we're silent bystanders when others drag your holy name through the mud. Sometimes your name is dishonored by the way we live. Father, we know that your name deserves honor and glory, but so often we seek our own glory and, and the honor of our name. And so we stay silent and we, so we, we do nothing. Oh Lord, please forgive us for the way that we've sinned against your commandment. Father, please equip us by your Holy Spirit so that we may rightly confess your name, that we may rightly call upon you and praise you in all our words and also our works. Father, we also bring before you the, the needs and the cares of this congregation. Father, we, we give thanks and we celebrate with our brother and sister Fred and, and Jerry Deke for the celebration that they could have of their 45th wedding anniversary today. Lord, we praise you for your goodness to them. Thank you for blessing them in their marriage. Thank you for equipping them to stay faithful to one another all these years. And Lord, please be with them in, the, in what lies ahead. Watch over them and care for them. May you bless the time of celebration that they may have and that they may rejoice in your goodness. Father, we also thank you for your care and your provision over us. You've told us that you would be with us always, that you're always present in our lives, that you care for us. And we see your care also in, in how you've kept our brother Colin Klein safe this week. Lord, we often can feel strong and then, Lord, you show us how f fragile our humanity really is. Lord, we saw that with COVID, with a small, uh, a small parasite, a small disease, and how it did so much devastation to the world. And, Lord, we see that even when we are stung by a bee. And, Father, we praise you for, for caring for our brother, for upholding him. Thank you for preserving his life. And we pray that you would watch over him the next couple of weeks. May you grant them also peace and the assurance of your care. Father, we also pray for our sister Rita Cousinson, Lord, who had another fall this a few days ago. Lord, please surround her and watch over her. Please show your nearness and care. Father, also be with Jared as well. It's, it's difficult to see your wife go through pain. And so we pray that you would care for him as well and also prevent her from further harm and, and grant healing where there is, there is brokenness. Father, we also bring before you the needs of those who suffer from addictions. Lord, we thank you for the work of Pindari and, and what it does for so many men who are struggling and are caught up in the, the grip of, of Satan's power through addictions. Father, may you bless the, the men in the, the program, that you would watch over them also as there's so much temptation to fall back into to previous waves. Lord, please help them. And what is more, Lord, may they not only become free from these addictions, but also may they find freedom in Jesus Christ, our Savior. For, Lord, that is where true freedom really lies. 
And Father, we also think of those amongst us who may be suffering from addictions too. It could be alcohol, it could be substance abuse, maybe it's a struggle with uh, sexual impurity and pornography who are caught up in that. Father, we pray that you would deliver them. For Lord, you have called us, you have predestined us so that we might be holy and blameless before you. Father, you have called us not to fall back into slavery, but that we would have life and that we'd have life in abundance. Lord, you grant freedom and whoever is free in Christ is free indeed. And so we pray that you would work your Holy Spirit in us so that we may also experience that freedom. Father, please bless us in the rest of this uh, day of worship. We praise you that we are able to set aside a day to worship, to praise you, to bless your holy name and also to commune with your saints. Father, be with us as we go into the week. Uh, Keep us in your care, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So your offerings this afternoon, they're requested for the ministry of Pindari. And then after your offerings, we'll sing Psalm 63, verse 2.
As you go into this week bearing the name of God, receive the blessing of the triune God and go in peace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.